Yeah. Like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to gold Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket Welcome to Film Soliloquy, home of the, the Involuntary Film Review You've just been listening to the song Hollywood Dreams by Sir Flame. You can find that song on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Pod... Well, not Google Podcasts, but anywhere you find music, it's streaming. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter at Set It On Flame, one word. With me is my co-host, Jason. What's up? Short and to the point. All right, so... <laughs> each week we're going to be bringing you two movie reviews that we've selected for each other if you want to know more about the podcast go back and listen to episode zero we've kind of run down the basics but essentially i've selected a movie for jason to review this week and he selected a movie for me uh i do need to warn you these movies are going to be fully spoiled from the word go but what we're going to do is split the movies up so we're going to review one movie first and then do a second movie in its entirety after that. And I'm going to put time codes in there. So if you have one movie you don't want spoiled, you can go ahead and skip right to the movie uh, that you've already seen or don't care if it's spoiled. All right. So uh, who's going to go first? You want to rock, paper, scissors for it? Yeah, man. Um, this will be perfect so that we can't really see each other. So yeah. Since we... All right. I think I won. All right, cool. Yeah, it's me, bro. Yeah, congrats. Ah, yeah, I won with uh, a gun. Perfect. All right, got it. I I threw hamster wheel and failed. Mm, I threw the Second Amendment. So, gun, gun, <laughs> <laughs> gun beats hamster wheel. <laughs> All right, man. Well. As All right. I, I selected a movie for you. Jeff has I selected s- a movie for me. He went under the assumption that man this movie is for me i think right this is how you built it up to me right no no no, i i threw it up as this movie is something you might like but might hate because it's so different it is very different i I mean we've known each other for a very long time and you kind of know that my taste in movies as well as i know your taste in yours we definitely know our slapstick comedies that we love uh one of the movies that we love together is Dumb and Dumber. Um, I yep. obviously love that movie. That's and an I, A plus for me. And I think I, I'm not going to put this in a Dumb and Dumber category of what you think I would like, but I put in that category like, hey, man, you know, I think Jason would enjoy this movie. So before I actually get down to my, my overall grade, which I'll save for the end for you, we let's, are. Let's say the name of the movie. Yes. So right when I'm getting into it, the name of the movie is Swiss Army Man. It stars uh, Paul Dano. Daniel Ratcliffe and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So, man, how do I explain this movie? So, I actually wrote down a synopsis on a piece of paper while right after the film ended. And this is the best thing I could come up with because I actually went into the movie anticipating it. And it's going to be kind of a spoiler. I anticipate it'd be kind of good. <laughs> right? So, I kind of. Now, I will say, I sent this to you. As a movie, I really like and enjoy. I wasn't giving you something I thought 
you would hate. I thought there's a chance if you get it in the way that it, I got it, you'd like it. But go ahead. I got it. So this is, here's the synopsis I made up. All right. And then I'll go into what I was I like expecting. This. So I, basically the movie starts off, right? And I was thinking this is the synopsis. And then as soon as I finish reading the synopsis, I'm going to get into what I actually seen in the film. So it's the story of a young man who has reached the end of his ropes and decides to commit suicide to end his suffering, right? As luck has it, a companion comes along and changes his perspective on life. They grow and continue a unique bond while growing together. He later learns to be more open, expressive, and ultimately to love again. That pretty much sums up the movie, doesn't it? You really got, so like when I said <laughs> I was worried you'd get it, you got it. Like at the end of the day, and you'll get, I'm sure you'll get into all the craziness and why it's a weird movie. But at the end of the day, yes. Yep. That's exactly what the themes of the movie is or are. Bro, that thing didn't connect that way though. Golly. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, all right. Let me paint you a picture. Obviously, this is a podcast. I can't show you a clip, but just picture. Uh, the actor, Paul Dano, right? He's standing on top of a cooler and he's stuck on this deserted small island. He's already sent out messages. Think, on a, on a, on think a Castaway. Yeah, think Castaway. And um, and I was actually going to bring up that reference a little bit later on, but... <clears throat> My bad. <laughs> you good? And I, I got, ruined a, it already. got a funny reference for it. Anyway, so it opens up with Paul Dano standing on a cooler. I think some type of makeshift cooler. Anyway, he's... Pretty much in the act of about to commit suicide. He has a rope tied to his neck. He's just about to say his final goodbyes. And right before he's about to jump off of that cooler, he sees uh, Daniel Radcliffe just laying in, laying on the beach, just washed ashore. And he kind of you know, looks at the body and goes, hey, you know, let me go talk to that guy. Let me see if he needs help. Steps off the cooler, forgetting that he has a note, the rope tied to his neck, and starts to choke himself out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that immediately grabbed my attention. I'm like, wow, all right, Jeff, I think he probably hit a home run. This already is opening up very well. Kind of comedic. He's trying to kill himself. He changes his mind, but ultimately, damn, he's about to kill himself. <laughs> the Luckily, the rope snaps. He goes up to the washed up body of Daniel Ratcliffe, who's the, the actor's, uh, the character's name is Manny. Comes up to Manny, says, hey, man, are you okay? You okay? Manny's face is just pale blue. You can tell he's visibly dead. He puts his chest. He starts to hear some gurgling sound, puts his ear to his chest, and all of a sudden, flatulence comes out. The de the corpse just starts farting. Excessive flatulence. So it started off with one fart, right? I was like, okay. Another fart comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and then another. And then so... uh uh, Paul Dano's character, Hank, and I'll just reference him as Hank from now on. Hank proceeds to just you know, loot his body, if you will, takes his starts to take his belt, uh, take his belt off. Uh, <laughs> Manny starts letting off this excessive fart again. And Hank just looks beside himself, and then all of a sudden, cutscene, he's back on the cooler about to hang himself with the belt. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, alright. So right when he's about to kill himself or try, attempt to kill himself again the beach washes up manny's body puts it out to sea and his excessive flatulence starts propelling him across the water he motorboats out <laughs> yes this is when i lose it i'm like 
So no, wait a minute. But you're laughing as you're telling this story. I am, and I look forward it's, to telling this part. It's so funny. It's good. It's funny. There's a lot of funny movies that aren't great, though. <laughs> yeah, all about the Benjamins. Uh, hey, it's not getting into that. That was an awesome D movie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, he takes the belt off, goes to the water, obtains Manny's body, and proceeds to mount the body as a jet ski. <laughs> he skidoos. <laughs> He's skidooing across the water to escape this island. And as the music is pumping, it's getting to this climactic uh, charade of music just coming down. <laughs> he extends his hand, removes Manny's pants to get more propellant out of, his, <laughs> out of his butt. It starts juicing it. He's basically grabbing the belt, wrapping it around Manny's neck, pulling on it as if he's like starting a lawnmower. <laughs> the motion of him just, just ranking it up and then you just see him just juicing it even faster. And bam, the movie opens up with the, with the name Swiss Army Man. I'm like... Yeah, oh. I, I'm already on board had I not seen this. <laughs> no, let me... So basically, you know, I'll go in a lot deeper you know, through and through the story. But basically, I could tell you right now, I most likely would enjoy this movie a lot more if I was severely baked. For sure. Okay. Now, I got to say, I, I am not a weed smoker. And neither am I. <laughs> and I enjoyed this movie 100% sober. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's basically, that's when I lose it, man. Like, I actually start laughing. I actually start laughing at the movie. I'm like, what the hell did Jeff make, started to make me watch? I'm like, am I going <laughs> to. This... Let's remind people that this is before the title screen. Yeah. Well, I mean, the title okay. screen, I think the title screen just came up. He's, he's jetting across the water and then boom, title screen. Right. right. And then, um, was it then he all of a sudden he wipes out he, he wipes out so this is where this is where the first thought comes to my head i'm like all right i know jeff loves uh castaway with tom hanks oh yes <clears throat> i love that movie too. we agree on this one yes yes absolutely good good movie okay. good movie good movie <laughs> i immediately think of castaway where hank is tom hanks <laughs> And Daniel Radcliffe Manny is a messed up Wilson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a more effective Wilson. All Wilson did was sit there. Wilson is just basically a bag full of tricks. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. So uh, the movie picks up again. Daniel's eyes are basically. So, so they cut, they, they wash, a sh they go to another shore. And I'm assuming. This is where they actually hit civilization, which is really strange. So they're coming up on this land and they're just finding these random trash. So I'm like, immediately, this is where my realistic senses start coming. Obviously, I know this is not a realistic movie. He's literally riding a dead corpse across the ocean. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but my realistic sense has to kick in a little bit where if you're starting to see trash, like Coke bottles, beer bottles, uh, ca a gas can, uh, a, a seat to a to a uh, a car. There's there's people living around you. That's here. <laughs> you should 
you should you should start finding people pretty soon but no the movie just keeps honestly in my opinion just keeps dragging on man and so i'm like all right let me let me let me interject go ahead go ahead so in the episode zero you said we weren't going to get into allegory and all of that yes 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 absolutely but perhaps the reason he isn't rushing towards people is because he's scared of people Yes. So right? he ran away. So he's washed up on shore and there's still part of him that isn't really ready to see people. Yes. Now, this is the I'm going to go ahead and go to some of my question here. So immediately after ending the movie, <clears throat> there's um, I wrote down five particular questions. And one of the questions actually pertains to this part now was when he was stranded on the island because he was lost. Or did he purposely find this find this island to be secluded from everyone and to go kill himself? Now, when I when I ask myself those two questions, I'm immediately thinking like, yeah, yeah, he he went to find this island by himself to seclude himself to kill himself, right? Mm-hmm. But when I rewatched it, and yes, I rewatched this film twice. And you gave it a fair shake. <laughs> I gave it a fair shake. I watched it twice. And the very opening scene, before I actually see Hanks uh, about to do the act of committing suicide, he sends these messages on in bottles and containers on the ocean saying, hey, you know, I'm stranded. Uh, I'm lost to sea. I need help. Help me. So I immediately think, you know, he's not he, he literally got into this island and got in trouble. I don't think he's trying to not find anybody. That's just I agree, because otherwise, why would he try to ride Daniel Radcliffe like a ski-doo? Exactly. Precisely. So, pretty much the, the, the film just goes on. Uh, so, this is where you can kind of see... I, I just assume uh, Manny's body would just be motionless the entire time. Kind of like a weekend at Bernie's. But no, it starts to liven up a little bit. Um, you can start to see when he's he's laying in a cave with, with Manny... Um, he goes to motion to close his eyes and you can already, you can immediately start seeing his eyes start to twitch. Like if it's in a REM sleep and water starts dripping into his mouth and the mouth starts to agape and start taking, taking in this water. And that's when immediately you can start to see the reference of why it's called Swiss army man, where all of a sudden, uh, Manny's mouth just starts spewing out clean water, clean H2O. Yeah. Crystal clear, (laughs) Crystal, crystal clear water. (laughs) <laughs> he's got a filter and you know it's me disgusting i'm like oh man you know don't even attempt to drink that now he you know hank gets a little taste and he sees that it's it's delicious <laughs> yep just like you got it from your brita ah yes so that's that's one aspect how he's a uh how this was our man now this part just just is this is just ridiculous all right i you, you even gotta hit this on the ridiculous scale so Oh, he the finds, movie's ridiculous. Yes. Because we're going to get to the compass at some point. This, Is that where we're going now? This guy finds a swimsuit edition magazine, right? Of Sports Illustrated. Sports yeah. Illustrated swimsuit edition. Obviously, it's got some pretty good material on there, right? Manny's body takes a liking to it and gets this extreme erection. <laughs> <laughs> the corpse of a dead body starts going erect and starts pointing now, out at at this point manny has learned to talk no no i don't think so, so yet no I don't, I don't think so are are you sure because doesn't he get scared 
And he looks down and he goes, what, what's happening to me? Oh, yes, 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 you're right. Because yeah, he's while he's in the cave, yes, he, he, he starts to get this personality. And, and basically, this is, this is a complete corpse. So you got from, you got a corpse that doesn't do anything but fart. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he starts to grow a sense where he starts to become more self-aware, learning as he goes. So Hank is actually teaching him things. He's teaching him about life. He's teaching him about you know, like night and day, he's teaching about, you know, what this magazine is and <laughs> what people are. And he sees this magazine and he immediately is like, hey, you know, I like this feeling. <laughs> and his, yep. his dick is just pointing in the direction of civilization. So many fl- <laughs> he, he stands in and asks a lot of, maybe not even philosophical questions, but simple questions that a child asks mm-hmm. that maybe we take for granted. Yep. It's like talking about farting and it comes into play later. But Manny at one point asks, is like, why, why is that embarrassing? Mm-hmm. So he's he just told me everybody does it, you know? Yep. So basically everybody farts. Everyone poops. Mm-hmm. And they bring up the book. Everyone poops. <laughs> he's actually, he's written it on this makeshift, I think Bible. He written it in the Bible. <laughs> yes. He <laughs> He defaced the Bible <laughs> and and basically made a snapshot of everyone poops uh, on the Bible. So basically, it just it goes on to show that uh, Hank um, is not open. Uh, he doesn't like to interact with uh, people. He sees basically you see these cut these flashbacks where he's in civilization. He's riding a bus and he sees this beautiful girl who happens to be the actress. Um, Mary Elizabeth Wins- uh, Winstead, her name's Sarah. Which, if you don't know who that is, if you've seen uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, she plays uh, Ramona Flowers. Yep. And she was also in that movie with John Goodman, uh, that one where they're underneath the oh, ground. The Cloverfield Lane? Yes. And she played uh, John McClane's daughter in one of the Dead uh, Die Hard movies as well. Yep. <clears throat> I like her, man. She's a pretty good actress, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. So he basically he's he sees her on the bus and he wants to you know open up to her he wants to express to her hey you know uh, hey you know let's become friends let's just spark something but no he's he's just too afraid too ashamed and feels that himself that that he's a loser so um, he basically and that kind of sums up what you're saying about uh, people farting <laughs> where you're open you're open to it you know that everyone farts but he's just so ashamed that he won't even fart in front of the corpse he won't even fart in front of manny he has to do it he has to put manny down and then go behind a tree just to fart right <laughs> and they show that in the film too <laughs> so this is this the part is just like all right so if i put myself in this situation i if i am hank and i'm just looking at this dick compass right trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to point me to civilization i would keep the dick in front of me just me personally, I would have, I would hold him like I, I'm like I'm holding him like I'm a firefighter, you know, trying to drag somebody out of a fire, and I would walk and you know looking at the dick compass, pointing to me where to go. This this dude puts the dick in his butt, like in his back. <laughs> he's, he's he's carrying him on his back and having the dick str- like straight in his back, and he could feel the pressure pointing him. I need to go left or right. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I mean, that'd be the cause of I'm like, oh my dude, come. 
<laughs> so it gets more elaborate in there. I mean, he's he's basically he's scourging this this vast forest. I'm assuming it's probably like the coat, like some type of coastal area, like Southern California. That's my assumption. Where, like, if you if you're coming up on San Francisco, where all those redwood trees are at, I guess that's what it kind of looks like to me. If you kind of paint a picture of that, so he's just walking through this elaborate forest um, instead of you know. In my opinion, trying to use his his good gathering skills. I mean, because he can make these elaborate objects. I mean, he literally built uh, a makeshift bus a bus to recreate this uh, this Sarah chick um, to show the show Manning Manny. Um, you know, hey, this how do you interact with the person to kind of spark a memory? That's basically what he's trying to do. He's trying to get Manny Manny to spark a memory to see what he remembers, who he is, and I mean, it just. His body is just big. I'll give you a couple of examples of what his body do. Obviously, he can prowl across water. His, his He has a dick compass. Um, <laughs> he can use... Manny, Manny has such sharp teeth, he can actually shave Dan. Um, a clean shave, shave, too. A clean Perfectly shave clean. of Hank's face. <laughs> it's like Harry's uh, he Razors, see. you know? Possible sponsor. Yeah, well, yeah man. Maybe we'll make, uh, get a sponsorship with them coming down the line. Yeah. He can... He can snap his fingers so hard that he can create a spark uh, to use that bait. And then basically you combine it at one point where Paul Dano has gotten so good at using Manny that he like sparks and then aims his butt at the spark from his hands and shoots a, fl- a fireball into a campfire to light it. <laughs> it's really good. And then, so yeah, and even before that scene, I'm like, I have my head down, right? While I'm viewing this movie, I have my head completely down. Just thinking what Jeff got me into. <laughs> this is the last episode of the podcast. It's already happened. And I just can't I'm like, what, what is he making me watch? And then, I'm, and just in my mind, in my realistic side, I'm like, he can make a makeshift bus. He can do all these things, but he just can't make a fire yet. Oh my God, just please make a fire to cook something to eat. And there he goes. He snaps his finger, puts it across his ass, and boom, flame <laughs> shoots out right into a campfire. And he's starting to cook uh, rats and stuff. <laughs> rats good and stuff. <laughs> and one thing I do like, they kind of cut into uh, one of my favorite films, Toy Story. He he can actually punch the back of Manny's back, and his hand will motion like a karate chop action, cutting limber, cutting wood into limber mm-hmm. to make a, a makeshift house. Um. Another scene, too, where they're actually getting, you can kind of tell they're getting closer to civilization. They got to cross a, wh- a river, which is some type of piping that brings fresh water to, you know, the, the, the city, the civilization that, you know, down, down this path. And um, they un- unfortunately fall from this <clears throat> and uh, they're underwater. And you can kind of tell that friendship bond was already starting to come, come into play. You know, he's Hank is playing the role of Sarah on the bus so that way Manny can show him how to talk to women and you can kind of tell that chemistry is getting there between these two dudes and they go in the water and start kissing each other but then you come to find out that he's actually doing that to get air out of Manny's chest <laughs> so they can actually scuba use him as a scuba tank underneath the water <sighs> and then so he takes the he takes the cork out of his butt <laughs> I forgot you that forgot to mention that there was even one there <laughs> Yes, so back to the beginning, he, you know, Hank for, 
just gets tired of him just farting all the time. So he finds a cork that's from the top of a wine bottle and shoves it up his butt. <laughs> so to, to get him out of this situation where they're starting to drown in this river, he takes the cork out of his butt and they project straight out of the water like dolphins shooting out of shooting out of the, the water. Like at, a SeaWorld sea show, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's where I do have to just comment about the cinematography and the, the slow motion camera work on there. It's pretty outstanding. Well, uh, and then the music about that time, <clears throat> like it's it's great. Yeah, and then so you mentioned the, there's one of my favorite scenes is where they finally get fire going and they make popcorn and then the popcorn song plays. And one of the moments, like uh, Hank is climbing. And Manny is on his back just singing pop, popcorn, pop, popcorn. And I'm doing it no justice because it's actually quite a good song. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, every every song that they make is just basically them ab-living the song, you know, mm-hmm. and having some type of instruments behind it. It's, it's pretty interesting, to say the least. <laughs> so, how's it end? All right, so... Jeez. So anyway, they they finally. All right. So before we actually get to the very end, they're they're on they're 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 on this tree, right? Oh yes. yes and yes. so he uses his projectile, uh, but oh well, and you will, didn't also mention rocket, one of the things he can do he uses my rocket but another thing you do mm-hmm. is load things into manny's mouth and then hit the and back use... of them and so he can shoot like spears and stuff yes and that's basically what he uses to actually kill uh prey for him to eat so he like he shoots fish with rocks that are projectile like shot like shotguns coming out of manny's mouth they're fighting this bear and to escape the bear he kind of uses his butt as a rocket and he shoots straight into the air and they can kind of see a town straight ahead. And then they land on the tree. They're talking about what they're going to do. Hank falls down. The bear starts to mess him up. <laughs> and then this is where uh, Manny actually starts to become, he actually, he actually becomes emotionable, if you will. He gets depressed. At, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, 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 he jumps down, down well, the so, tree. Well, so, okay. I don't know if you've got to this, but one of the the reason Manny is depressed in this scene is because he's the whole time Hank has spent this time saying that there's the cell phone uh, in the movie. That's very important that uh, Hank has been telling Manny is Manny's cell phone and the woman must be your girlfriend, Manny. I mean, why else would you have a picture of this woman on your phone? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, very good point. And so that's why he builds the bus to try to recreate really a scene that Hank was in where this woman comes on the bus and he sees her and he's too nervous to talk to her and he snaps a a sneaky picture, uh, nothing lewd, but just still creepy because she didn't know what was happening. And he kind of reenacts a scenario where what would happen if I actually talked to this woman? Mm -hmm. And then he tells Manny, actually, I've been lying to you because he starts to love him as a friend. So he wants to be truthful. I've been lying to you. That's my phone. And you're not actually in love with this woman. She's not from your past at all. And that's why Manny get, starts to get really depressed. But go on. So that, that's a great point because it actually leads up toward the end. So they start, uh, 
unfortunately, Hank, I think, breaks his leg, if uh, breaks his ankle from falling off that tree. And then the, the grizzly bear gnarls at his leg, so it's bleeding. Uh, Manny actually fixes him up and starts carrying Hank on his back. Uh, they actually start coming through this this uh, wooded forest and then end up into somebody's backyard. You see this little girl playing and, you know, just just got to look at the bewildered look on her face. She sees these two strangers obviously beat up. It looks like they've been living in the woods for quite some time, bleeding, pale. One of them's definitely one of them dead. looks like a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of them's dead. And, you know, she screams for her mom. Her mom comes and it just so happens to be Sarah, the person that Hank has took a picture of on this bus who pretended to tell Manny that that must be his girlfriend because that is his phone, but it's really not. It's really Hank. And one thing we didn't mention is somehow Manny purposefully went here. Manny knew where he was going. Which is, that's just weird to me. Exactly. I agree with that. That is, that's <laughs> a farting jet ski body is more plausible than him knowing exactly where she is unless he has Wi-Fi. Absolutely. So they finally meet. Uh, she calls. She calls the police to call for help. Uh, you know, obviously, it's just this is just a remarkable story. You you have this this guy who was st- stranded on an island. He finds uh, a corpse, and instead of just leaving the corpse to to be eaten, you know, through the elements, that he actually dragged the according to the news story that he's he's dragging his body so he can have I guess assume a proper burial. Well, and, and I think partly they think he's crazy, too. Like, his time out there has made him crazy, so he's mm-hmm. sort of like Wilson, like, from Castaway. He has this companion. but Absolutely. So they want to interview this guy, and while he's about to conduct the interview, uh, the police grab his phone, and um, that's when they start to... That's when basically it just goes downhill from there. So this is where real, realistic uh, realism starts to just kick in, where... Uh, Sarah is just bewildered, like, hey, why do you have a picture on my phone? What, what's going on here? And that's when he just tells them the truth. <laughs> so, yeah, at some point in these moments, he, he breaks and he starts to not care about people. A- at least what people think. And he starts yeah. to care more about Manny, his friend. So one thing that uh, happens that's important in this scene is just beforehand when Manny and Hank are in front of the little girl, Manny stops moving. So as he becomes a complete corpse, right? So once Manny gets in front of other people that aren't Hank, he becomes a corpse, completely stops moving. And so, at least for me, at this point in the movie, now you're questioning: Is what happened to Hank real? Or is Hank yes. actually did, crazy and all this stuff? Did this... he fabricate all this? Exactly. This, yeah. And that's important. So go ahead. Yeah. So you, you, you just can fathom like, all right, I've just watched this guy just use this man as a complete Swiss army knife. <laughs> Swiss army knife. Just he can use him as, as anything to do any to do his bidding, basically anything he can need to do. And all of a sudden, he's not doing it anymore. So now you you, you got to backtrack. Well, man, did he did he fabricate this all in his mind? You know, was this whole time he was just thinking of what what he could do, but ended up doing it all himself while carrying his body. So he's starting to rush back into the woods <laughs> to escape civilization again, to be alone uh, with his friend Manny. He starts to run back into the woods. the The police, the the TV crew, Sarah, her husband. 
uh, her daughter is chasing him back in the as woods. As well as his, they, as well as Hank's dad. As well as Hank's dad. They called, yep. uh, in the previous scene, they called Hank's dad to identify this body because uh, Hank had lied and said so that was Manny, Manny was Hank. Yep. So they're running back through the forest. The, the police start to discover everything he's fabricated in the movie. The bus... The scene, Sarah's seeing it, that she's seeing this, uh, she's looking at the photo that she had from Hank's phone where she can see herself visibly just take, just a voyeurism of, of her on the bus, just a picture of taken to her without her knowledge. She can see it being recreated in the forest. She's just pretty much bewildered. She's obviously thinking this dude is a psycho. He's a freak. He's crazy. <laughs> and so they, they get back on this beach and he puts Manny down on the beach. And Hank is confronted, getting front, confronted by Sarah. And the police. Uh, and the police and the news crew. And he's he's basically just putting it all out there. You know, hey, I t- took this picture of you. And that's pretty much, man, it's. That that's pretty much the end, man. And uh, well, and so the the body. So this. So this wait is a minute. You... Wait. Bef- so before <laughs> all of this, I'm gonna let you explain the finale. But mm-hmm. at the again, we've we've said he's broke. He now isn't too worried about concern with what people think of him. Obviously, because he just ran off with a corpse. He turns around. And, well, he's trying to revive Manny because he still believes he's alive. He turns around and he farts in front of everyone. And the guy next was like, did you just fart? And Hank is like, yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) So then that shows you right there. He's actually evolved. He is now, uh, he's not scared anymore. He's, He's opening up to people. He's not ashamed of who he is no longer. And right when uh, they're basically the police are taking him into custody now. Yep. <laughs> He's getting arrested. So up and... until this point, he hadn't done anything illegal until he took a body and ran off with it. Yes, and ran off with That's it. That's illegal. And the police and police seen that he was actually living in the forest with this dead body the entire time. There's not some heroic thing about it. They they assumed that he found this dead body and they, he wanted to bring it back to be properly identified. No, they can see him in the forest hanging out with this dead body doing God knows what. Yeah. <laughs> it's their assumption. And right, so, right when the police are taken into custody, uh, Manny begins to fart and he starts jetting across the ocean. He shakes and then skidoos <laughs> on his own, on his back, back. into the ocean. He's on his back. He's looking up, smiling wide. <laughs> and it zooms in on Sarah. And she utters the final line of the film. What the fuck? <laughs> roll credits. And it, roll credits. It's man. so good because, and I'll let you say what you got to say because you get to grade it. But the whole time, like once you get to this sort of end part where they come out of the forest and there's Sarah's and, and, it, and it starts to seem like maybe Hank is crazy. Maybe Hank has made up everything that's happened to him. And there's this end scene where he scoots off and Sarah utters those words. And now it's undeniable. These things really happened in this world. (sighs) Roll credits. So there's a lot of things before I get to this final grade. There's a few questions, right? So two questions that immediately pop into mind is how did Hank end up on this island? Never answered. I hate that. (laughs) 
All right. Mm-hmm. How long he was on this island? I don't know about you, but if I was stuck on an island, it's going to take at least seven days before I give up. All right. It doesn't actually because, you know, you need water for at least seven days. Right. OK. So it there's no it doesn't show a duration of how long he's on that island for. He doesn't tell how he's on. There's a lot of unanswered questions on that movie and that type of stuff. I just hate me personally. That's fair. So what I'd have to give for this grade as a movie. So a lot of factors have come into this. Uh, I've known Jeff a long time. I pretty sure he knows my taste in movies. He knows what I like, what I dislike. He, he missed the mark on this one. All right. <laughs> I knew that that was a possibility going in. He missed the mark. So we've made, as we alluded in the intro of this podcast, we've made a scale from A plus all the way down to F. Now, with with those A pluses to F, we have obviously ranked about 20 movies and put them in each type of category. And something that comes into mind for this movie is a D plus. Now, the reason I gave it that score. Say it louder. <laughs> it is a D plus. Thank you. So Emphasize the, the reason rating. why why I gave it this score because I'm gonna repeat it several times. Okay. So, as an example, Ready Player One, phenomenal book. Yes. Horrible movie. Something we both we both share this opinion. Huge yeah. huge fans of Great the book. book. The, Horrible. The movie. movie's I, awful. It is it's just bad. I know that the book the book and the movie are pretty much almost two different de- two entities, if you will. Mm-hmm. The the story went. Very far left, and the book went very far right. So I I understand that, guys. If you are a fan of Ready Player One, nobody is. But I gave I, I gave Ready Player One a C minus. So when I gave Ready Player One a C minus, I'm like, hey, is this movie better than Ready Player One? No, it is not. <laughs> so hence, that's why this movie gets a D plus. Okay, so I'd be okay with the D plus, but when you say it's worse than Ready Player One, that's what really stings. Because yep. Ready Player One is said. awful. I enjoyed Ready Player One more than I enjoyed this. So one. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. Because now I know how you're going to feel about the movie I'm going to suggest on week three. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't like this, what I'm going to have you see on week three is every bit as bizarre, nowhere near as fun, and it's that's all I'm going to say. I'm looking forward to your review of that one. But because you didn't like this one, I've selected a movie for you next week that we'll get to at the end of the show that I think you'll have a a better chance of enjoying. All right. All right. Oh, my God. No. All right. So it's my Ooh. turn. Thank God. <laughs> now, you took more notes than I took, so I'm going to have to up my game next week with whatever movie you gave me because you we're ready to go through the whole plot. And I think the movie that I watched, fortunately you've seen recently and can help me remember things. But next movie, I'm going to take better notes because you took really good notes. All right. So the movie you had me watch is from 2018. So something really recent. Uh, Directed by M. Not Shyamalan, which ought to tell you exactly what the movie is if you don't know already. Uh, Starbucks, James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, and Taylor Joy, and Anya, Anya Taylor Joy, and Sarah Paulson. And it is the third part of the Unbreakable Trilogy class. The, fin- the wrapping up of a trilogy. 
uh, a surprise trilogy, if you will. Right. If you think we about didn't know that. it was a trilogy. Now, the thing about this one is, is I sent you a movie you've never heard of. And you sent me a movie we both had intentions of seeing in the theater. You would have never watched Swiss Army Man on your own. I would have watched Split at, or not Split, excuse me, Glass at some point. At some point. Yeah, yep. I would have watched it. But the reviews kind of got mixed and I was like, eh, do I really want to spend the money to go to the, to go watch this? Exactly. Why? Why would this we right in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a quick recap of, of Unbreakable and Split because it pertains to the book and i'm going to be very concise unbreakable is about bruce willis's character david dunn who is on a train it crashes he has no scars everyone else on the train dies he runs into a a, a guy named elijah price who is played by samuel L. jackson who takes an interest in him kind of letting him know hey you might be a superhero uh he tests some things out with his son learns that he does have super strength and he's also invulnerable with the exception of water uh, he can be hurt by water. He can drown. He does a bunch of crime save uh, stopping. And later you find out that Elijah Price, Samuel Jackson's character, had set up the train wreck that caused everyone to die on the train but him as a way to find out if there were other supers uh, because Elijah Price believes himself to be a superhero or a supervillain because of his tremendous intellect. But he has this weakness of his bones break extremely easily he coins, uh, he says in school, children called him Mr. Glass. That's the end of Unbreakable. Oh, also, too, don't forget the fact that he believes that uh, comic books are basically historical documents proving the fact that there are right. superheroes in the world. So we move on to Split was a totally its own standalone movie. We didn't know it was going to be connected to this world at all until you got to a the end where you see David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character, show up and mention that he's ran into other super people before. All right, so Split. Split is uh, a handful That's of... A quick recap. Yeah, there's a lot in that one. <laughs> handful of girls get kidnapped uh, by James McAvoy's character. One of them is uh, Casey Cook, who's played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, they... They are held captive uh, by this crazy person who has multiple personalities. She escapes, but they the whole time, James McAvoy characters, all these different characters within the one character are talking about uh, the Beast coming. And it turns out the Beast is an alternate personality that makes him super strong. She escapes because the Beast sees that she is wounded. She Jeez. has cut in herself care. because of a trauma in her past. Yeah. Right. And uh, and because of mutual trauma uh, that has affected, what is, is it Kevin? Uh, yep, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin Wendell Crumb. Kevin is the actual real person that houses all of these personalities because he dealt with trauma in his childhood. She did. And they have this mutual understanding. So she is able to get away because she's been hurt in her life. And he's really just kind of taking vengeance on people who've not had any real suffering well put okay and he he gets away clean uh uh the beast kevin Winnelcrum. at the end of the movie he's gone and they're on a manhunt and the last scene of the movie is you see david dunn bruce willis's character sitting in a bar someone says have you ever seen something like this before and he says yes now we know these two movies are connected 
Shortly thereafter, they announce a sequel, which is called Glass, which is what we're about to talk about right now. Man, I have to say, too, when I was in the theaters and we saw uh, Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, sitting at that bar, I immediately got goosebumps. I was like, wow, I cannot believe what I'm witnessing here. Oh, my goodness. They have tied one of the best M. Night Shyamalan movies that I've seen to date and tied it into the same universe and I pray that we're going to get a third movie. And boom, years we did. We did. So let's lay down a little groundwork. Unbreakable is my favorite Shyamalan movie. Until Split came out. I think Split's probably my favorite now. So both of those movies are excellent. So the hopes were high. The movie, I'm trying to remember exactly how it opens. But basically... Uh, the beast how do we let's call him kevin from here on out who embodies all these characters patricia dennis Hedwig, the beast barry heinrich jade in like if you go on the imdb page for james mcavoy and see all the characters he plays in this movie it's insane it's got to be a record <laughs> and the phenomenal job he does too you can instantly see he which character is amazing He's amazing in this. He's amazing in Split. Really, one thing about M. Night Shyamalan, even in his bad movies, with the exception of um, the happening with uh, Wahlberg is a terrible actor in that film. But other than that, the acting is always great. The filmmaking is always great. It's the stories that tend to fall apart. But before, I don't want to tip my hand. So the Beast has captured uh, a handful of cheerleaders. And he's kind of going through the plot of Split. He, different characters are coming in. They're saying, hey, the Beast is coming for you. It's going to happen soon. Blah, 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 blah. Hedwig is um, my favorite. Right. Hedwig is the, the eight-year-old boy. So then we cut back to see what David Dunn is doing. And he owns a security company. But he also is a superhero. He's basically Batman. He bounces around, saves people. And uh, one of the powers he has from the first film is if he touches someone, he can see if they've got some sort of crime or it's really kind of not defined exactly how it works, but he's able to see if something is going on. It's like a sixth sense, if Uh, you will, pun intended. Right. Um, So he's, I don't remember how he ends up. He just kind of walks a beat. I don't remember exactly how he gets there, but he's walking downtown. Yeah, so basically there's a, a construction site and what he wants to do is he wants to interact with the construction workers at that site by bumping into them walking down the street. Why is he going down there again? Um, he's trying to... Just to see? Uh, yeah, basically, like you said, he's kind of walk a beat right there. Um, he he kind of get this okay, so general he's just... area. Basically his son, who was also in the first film, who is now growing up now, he's triangulate. Played by the same actor, which yep. is wonderful. He's triangulated this type of position on a map on where the beast could be particularly and this is where they narrowed it down okay thank you so like you said he's bumping into all these construction workers doesn't really get anything and shortly thereafter uh, kevin wendell crumb but the personality of uh hedwig the little boy is listening to rap skipping down the road and he bumps into bruce willis uh david dunn and David Dunn sees through the sixth sense that these cheerleaders are captured and strung up and he sees where they are. So Hedwig moves around the corner. 
David Dunn goes, finds the girls, saves them, uh, you know, undoes their chains. And while he's doing that, the beast shows up and they get in a fight and the fight spills outside. And then all of a sudden some authorities stop both of them. They flash these bright lights at the beast. And uh, you find out later that these lights force uh, Kevin to switch personalities. And so they capture them both. I'm not exactly sure what they really have on David Dunn, where they can arrest him in this well, fashion. Basically, he's a he's a known vigilante. Um, he's basically fighting crime without any due process, which is against the law. So they capture him, and then they establish that they've set up security measures to keep both the beast and David Dunn uh, pacified using. David's weakness of water, they have like this spraying system, which honestly he could just walk through. It's not like he sprayed with water and it really does that much. But if he gets drowned, then it's a problem. But And then they use those flashing lights to keep the beast at bay, to keep Kevin at bay. And then about this time, you see that in the same facility is Elijah Price, a.k.a. Glass. And he's comatose. He's in a wheelchair they come in, they talk to him, and he is not home. The lights are not on. Um, and that's what's going on with him. So they kind of go back and forth. There's a, a woman who is uh, Dr. Ellie Staple. And she just kind of has conversations with these people. She says she's an expert in a uh, mental disorder where people believe they're superheroes and she works to convince them that they're not. And she keeps mentioning that I've really only got a few days. She talks to the loved ones of these three at different points and mentions they have, they only got a few days and I'm wondering what do they have a few exactly. days for? Um, Why? I was flabbergasting yeah. myself. What is going on? I took notes of that because I'm like, they better tie this up and they do. And they tell you why they only have a handful of days. So, what they do is there's sort of the scene that's in this pink room and they have, if you've seen some of the posters, each one of them is sat in a chair. Um, and at one point, James McAvoy is doing the character Patricia, which is sort of this uptight English woman, which is the best character. That's my favorite character. Like you said, Hedwig's great and he's funny, but Patricia is kind of the most thrilling. And to she me is pure evil. She's evil, but she's also like, there's something motherly about her and the way she talks. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what David Dunn says in one of the scenes, but it's in the trailer where he kind of perks up, does like a golf clap. Patricia does. It's fantastic. Um, and, and there's so many characters, regardless of whether I like the movie or I don't, it's worth watching because James McAvoy is brilliant. He's also ripped as hell in this movie. There's several times where he takes his shirt off and he's just veiny. And there's times where he transforms into the beast. He does this thing and like all, I don't know if it was enhanced with CG or what, but all these veins are popping out of his neck and it, it looks crazy. So the whole time they're doing this interview and at this point the movie just kind of slows. They're just talking back and forth and there's these long dialogue sequences 
And the whole time they keep they keep showing Mr. Glass here and there what's going on with him, and it's really not much. A couple there's a scene where one of the guards suspects that maybe he well he finds Mr. Glass in the hallway next to the medicine truck uh, the medicine cart, but Mr. Glass is totally comatose and his door is open and there's no medicine missing either, so it's not like he's out there right. So there's no meds missing, so there's really no reason to believe anything's gone on other than that this guy is out of his room. So the uh, guard puts him back in his room and he knows that Mr. Glass is fragile. So he knows that anything will hurt him. So he has one of these mag lights. And if you don't know what that is, it's a really big, heavy flashlight. And he holds it over the legs of Mr. Glass. And he kind of tells him, he's like, he's trying to see if the guy is there, if he's home, if the lights are on. And so he says, I could drop this and it'll break your legs. And then he drops it and it goes to slow-mo. And Mr. Glass doesn't flinch and the guard catches it right before he hits him. And that's enough to convince the guard, okay, everything's good here. So where do we go from here? Um, I'm going to just kind of, because I can't remember a lot of the middle area because it's just a lot of dialogue and a lot of talking. And I don't really remember anything significant that pushed the plot forward. Yeah, I mean, that's one other thing. And again, I know we're probably leading to the end for what a grade is, but this part of the, the film is just dragging on i mean you can party you can you can change the name of glass to them to the name google because they're just google searching everything they're google <laughs> they're yeah. google searching there's a lot of google him searching so, everything <laughs> one of the things i'm kind of waiting on is is the one character who hasn't come back yet and that's glass because he's been comatose the whole movie so i'm waiting to get samuel jackson to be samuel L. jackson and just entertain us and it takes a while and you're not even sure if he's not comatose, but uh, you later find out that he he wheels into um, the uh, the horde. That's what we'll call him because that's what there they say in the movie. The horde is James McAvoy's character. He rolls in, he talks to the horde, talks to several of the members, fools with the glasses here and there, um, and not the glasses, fools with the lights. And the lights that blink and kind of... And he just basically talks to uh, the Horde about getting out of here. And he says, you know, I know you're one of us. Uh, so before we get to that, so what the Doctor is doing and what does happen in these scenes, she starts instilling doubts in all three of the members saying, hey, are you sure you didn't just, you know, have a keen sense of like... Uh, David Dunn knew that these girls were in this warehouse and she starts calling into question and starts making these very factual, very convincing arguments that, hey, maybe you aren't a superhero. Maybe you just inferred from the evidence in front of you, however subconsciously, that these girls were here. Great point. Such as, you know, the cheerleaders when he, well, when he actually saw uh, what, uh, the horde walking down the street he had saw uh like red like red brick residue on his body right and so he right. kind of then he went to assume like uh that that these that he's that she's they're held him captive in a brick factory right so he that the so she starts to convince him and she instills doubt in david dunn and then she starts talking to all the members of the horde and I can't remember the argument she used, but she really starts to convince them that the beast isn't anything. The beast is just another personality. And they, the horde starts to lose faith 
in the beast. And then, and of course, Mr. Glass is comatose, so there's nothing to convince him of. So anyway, he comes in the room, and he talks to him, and there's a line that's very good. He's like, science will always back up that we're special. But that doesn't mean we're not superheroes. There will always be a scientific explanation. And this is when you finally start to get Mr. Glass, and you start to get the genius part of it, and now I'm back in. Yes, absolutely. So after the, the scene where he... He has that threat where his legs are about to be broken. It actually shows him wielding himself through the facility of this hospital. You actually see him go into the security room. He's actually reading the, the log between um, the, the new inmates that have come in, you know, the Horde as well as David Dunn. He's just reading through this log. And then this is where you're coming into the part where he actually opens the door to the Horde. Right. And, and now the movie starts going. And exactly. One and hour so he... and four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you took that note. So he talks to the, the, the horde and he says, hey, we're getting out of here. And and I, and he, in a way, lets uh, David Dunn know that they're doing this because he really wants to have this fight. He wants to have the showdown in front of these brand new buildings that are being built in the city. And because he wants as many eyes as possible on this fight to let everybody know that these superheroes are here, these superpowered people are are here, and they're real, and you can believe in them. So they stage a breakout. So there's a scene where right after the guy does the light, the flashlight thing, he's going off to end his shift, and this other guy comes in to start his shift, and they make a passing joke about, "Hey, you thought you'd come in on time for once." Just to let you know that this guy is always tardy. And then he immediately sparks up this most stupid conversation with the guard about vitamins. And he starts giving him advice about like his health, doing toxic cleanses and stuff. And I knew immediately during this scene, that guy's dead. I knew he was dead as soon as he started talking about toxic cleanses. Because they're, I don't know if they're, they're trying to, in the most ham-fisted way of showing you he's a nice guy but i didn't like him he was just like so he's actually nice to mr glass when he's around him you know he's the good orderly where the guy who tried to abuse him with his uh flashlight is the bad orderly i don't i wonder if mr glass like saw that this other bad orderly kind of got it and maybe had respect for his intellect another in, in a way and saw that this nice orderly was actually quite an idiot and therefore thought he was expendable. So the or <laughs> orderly comes into the room and sits down in front of Mr. Glass and starts talking to him and is being a nice guy. And Mr. Glass slits this guy's throat with a piece of glass. Just <laughs> And the guy lays down. He's bleeding everywhere. Mr. Glass starts monologuing. Here we go. So he he's breaks out of comatose. the room. He's not This whole time he's been faking it. Right, He's, which we knew. Yep. So he goes out and he gets into the security room and he does some stuff. You're not really sure what. He gets a zip drive and uh, leaves the room and then purpose and then kind of goes back to bed, right? So he set all these plans in motion and goes back to bed. He's awoken by uh, the, the doctor uh, sample and her people take him off saying, hey, we saw you out last night. You were out of your room. We saw it on the cameras and we're going to immediately do this thing on you, this procedure to take away your powers. 
You're your tremendous intellect. My my whole assumption is they're gonna do they're gonna lobotomize him is what my assumption is. What they're yeah he's getting doing. a lo- like a laser beam lobotomy yep. and they put him on this bed and they shoot a laser in his head and then nothing right so turns out that he while he was broken out went and kind of removed this piece from the machine so essentially made the machine ineffective it didn't do anything so he still got his intellect so they start the breakout plan he he goes and he, he gets some um, the beast out and the, he the beast starts killing people he says let's go down through the basement and they do all this stuff and during this time he gets on the pa and he lets david dunn know hey we're breaking out shouldn't you be strong enough and he basically starts to reinstill faith into david dunn that hey you are special you should be strong enough that door is steel you know you can break it down because if you don't the beast is going to be running wild on this city and you've seen what he can do. <laughs> He's going to be running amok. <laughs> he, right. He'll be running amok. And so he gets, they end up outside and eventually David Dunn does break out. And now we start to see, okay, these guys really are special. Cause even as a viewer, I'm starting to wonder if she, what she's saying is true. Is everything we know about this universe true? Because she makes very convincing arguments and it totally could be, that could be the twist of this film. So, um, so they start fighting outside and I can't really remember anything of consequence that really goes on out there, but Dr. Sample starts calling in backup. We got to do something. Uh, one of the, and like I said before, all three of these members of, well, I say members of the family, Kevin doesn't really have any family members, but, uh, the, the girl who survived, um, Casey from Split. She's taking a liking to Kevin. the horde because she knows Kevin is in there. Yep. She knows Kevin is a good person. So um, she's there because she has this relationship with Kevin and he trusts her. And she's actually able to calm the beast. Think Scarlet, uh, you know, not uh, Scarlet Johansson, the Black Widow from the Avengers, where she can calm the Hulk down. Kind of the same thing. And, uh, and then of course, David Dunn's son is there because they've been working closely together and there's this huge fight. Things are getting out of hand. And about this point, Dr. Samples calling back up, whatever. You're not really sure. She goes up to Casey, the, the, the woman from the movie split and says, you're the only one that can calm the beast down. You've got to do something. Okay. She realizes that. And so she goes and she calms down the horde, the beast. And when she does, Kevin comes back and he's totally in his right mind. And right about then he gets shot. And you see the person that called it in was Dr. Sample or Staple. I keep saying Sample, Staple. (laughs) She called it in. And in about this time, David Dunn, is being weakened by water. They fought, he fought in this tank with the horde for a little bit. And so there's this puddle outside. And about this time, these guards start dunking David Dudd's head into a puddle. Let me stop you right there real quick. So right before he gets shot, um, basically there's a, there's a huge revelation where how, um, you know, Mr. Glass, Samuel Jackson, 
gets involved on how he actually created Kevin Wendell Crumb. So Kevin Wendell Crumb, when he was a kid, he was abused by his mother. And the only person that he really had was his father, who was, you know, an okay guy. And unfortunately, Kevin's dad was on the same train that David Dunn was on. And this actually gets revealed to um, to the horde, to the beast that, hey, you know, you were created by Mr. Glass. And boy, oh boy, does he get revenge on this guy. <laughs> right. So go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, go. you can go and explain how he just obviously this guy is is very fragile all his bones break and he just punched him square in the chest <laughs> yeah he he messes him up good and so now he's laying on the ground dying mr glass's mom is there david dunn's getting drowned over here the horde is bleeding out kevin is bleeding out in the arms of casey and dr staple goes up to david dunn and says take my hand while he's being dunked and being drowned in this puddle yeah she touches her hand and you see this room full of people having dinner and they close the door and she stands up and apparently she's part of this order. So the guy that pulled the trigger and shot uh, the horde had a clover tattoo on his wrist. And as Dr. Staple reaches out to touch David Dunn's hand, she has the same tattoo. And this is a symbol of a uh, order that is basically trying to expunge supers. Think of like the X-Men and how there's the anti-mutant thing going on. This is kind of what that is. Yep, all they know the they are aware that the that there are supers and they're trying to behind the scenes take them out. And so when she said, "Hey, they only got a couple days." When she touches David's hand, you realize that, that she's trying to convince them that they aren't super. Because if she does, then this this group, this organization, doesn't have to take action on them and kill them. But time's up. All three of them die. David done the most shocking of them to me. Because he's... He's drowned, but he's the he started the show and he ended the show. And, and as far as like he's un, in the unbreakable, and I was like, really, this is what we're doing, bro. Let okay. Me, let, when I got to that scene, and then basically, and I know we can fast forward. There's no like surprise cut scene. Hey, I'm alive, nah, dude. They are straight dead. Uh, they are dead. I was livid. <laughs> I was. So I wanted to punch my computer screen <laughs> knowing that they killed one of the the best three characters in a movie to, in my opinion to have to create this trilogy and it's a branded, uh, uh, it ended so abruptly right and so later on Dr. Staples working sort of in your epilogue and uh, no she's not working she's in a comic book store and there's these two comic book consumers in the room and they're talking about some made up comic book character that was made up for this movie. At least I think they were. Uh, and they talk about how the super evil genius always has a plan. Mm-hmm. And about this time, Dr. Staple realizes that Mr. Glass got it the way he wanted all along. And then she investigates 
that and finds out that he had taken all of this footage from their cameras that are everywhere that they establish are everywhere in this facility and has sent it to a private server or something mm-hmm. and sends it out and sends out video of this fight between these superheroes and supervillains. So now it's undeniable that these super people are out there and Dr. Staple is annoyed. She, she actually leaves uh, the comfort of her office, goes into a hallway and lets out this outrageous scream that she has been defeated, that they, this is no longer a secret. This has been exposed to the entire world that supers exist, that here is visible evidence of people of this guy bending, bending steel, um, punching a van, lifting a, a cop car straight in the air, throwing it. It's, it's undeniable. So here's the problem with twist endings. They happen at the end of the movie. And so they don't have time in this particular scenario to establish why she's so upset because you don't find out that she's working towards this thing. Her motivations are not clear anymore. And I don't care. I don't care that she's upset. I don't care that everybody knows that they're superheroes. Now Mm -hmm. this ending was so unfulfilling to me because, Oh, she was defeated, but we got all three of these characters are dead in the process. The only three known supers are dead. So essentially, she's still kind of one. I, I, the ending is terrible. I hate it. So <laughs> not, that's not only, like you said, the ending is. Let terrible. me look at my notes before I move on. But go ahead. Like you said, the ending is terrible. The three greatest characters. The, again, you know, you got to think. Unbreakable came out eighteen what eighteen years ago, right? Right. Well, yeah, no, even before then. So it was. It took 18 years for Split to even come out. And then after Split, it took, what, maybe two years, I guess, for, for no, Glass to come out. They don't even think it was that long. Yeah, I think it was a like year, a year and a half. A year and a half, maybe. And so basically we have this twenty this, this year span of 20 years of making these three, well, these two good great films. And you have this this third. And it ends like this and your characters are dead. I, yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like the ending. So I want to talk about M. Night Shyamalan because I am, if I had to choose between hating or liking, I'm a fan. More of his movie, I w- I'd say the guy bats about 500, right? Half of his movies are good and half of them are bad. And this one's kind of in the middle for me. It's not bad. It's not great. And like all of his movies, there's redeeming values. The acting's incredible. He has these way with cameras that make you feel like you're in the room and the way the cameras move and pan. Uh, the problem was the story. And I think M. Night Shyamalan is best with a simple premise and going from there. And this movie was not a simple premise. It took too many elements together. Cause you look at like six cents, this kid sees dead people and that's the premise of the film. And he tells a story around that aliens invade that's science. It's a simple premise. And then he'll throw the twist in. He's a little like too dependent on doing a twist for me. And one of the things I liked about Split so much is the the fact that the twist was that it was in this world. If that's not in there, Split is still an A movie. It's still awesome. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need it. And so sometimes the twist enhances things. Sometimes it ruins it. This Split 
this twist was just ineffective to me. It didn't mean anything to me. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Because I didn't care about the doctor the whole time. Like the fact that she ends up being evil doesn't mean anything to me because I don't care. It, so basically, you know, to sum up, like you said, the twist of the movie is just that superheroes actually do exist. The government or this organization, this order knows about them and they try to, like you said, uh, extinguish it, try to get rid of yeah. it. That's the twist. And I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You've killed three characters I do care about. Like, I was upset that Kevin got shot. I was in disbelief. Like, I figured Glass would die. Like, I could take one of them and Glass dying because he's a supervillain makes sense. Because he's super fragile anyway. He's easy to kill. But David Dunn dying was like, really? What happened? And he, so, all right, I'm done. So the, the, the whole point. So at some point, Mr. Glass says, this is really an origin story. And, and what we're supposed to assume from this as the camera moves away is that this event and this footage going out is going to inspire more supers to come out. And so now we have a cinematic universe that will probably never come out. It might come out. I think this movie made money. Who knows? But I don't care anymore. Okay. So where does the movie land? Okay, so I pulled up, Jason and I compiled a list of movies that we've rated to kind of give us a um, a scale. And so I'm going to use this because I don't know what letter grade it is because there's things I like. And when I finished watching the movie, I think I liked it. But then as I talked about it and how unfulfilling the ending was, I think I didn't like it. So I'm looking down the, so it's not a B because like in our B category, there's the Mortal, the original Mortal Kombat movie that I like, Doctor Strange, which is fine, Captain Marvel. These are movies that are fine, but edge near to good. Uh, Then we get into, I don't know how I feel about some of these that are on here, Uh, but then we get into C minus. We talk about Last Jedi, Ready Player One, Spider-Man 3. Is it worse than Ready Player One? No, it's not. Um, I think I would rank Ready Player One lower than you have it here at C minus. I don't remember if I had input in that. I'm actually going to put it in the C minus because I look at Spider-Man 3 and I see the same movie. Because Spider-Man 3 we have as a C minus. I'm going to say C minus because Spider-Man 3 has kind of the same feeling about it. While I actually think the ending was a little more fulfilling, there were things that weren't fulfilling. I didn't like Venom in that movie. The story was convoluted. There were characters I really cared about, but maybe they weren't done justice. And I think that really applies to this movie. C minus. I agree. So as we kind of wrap up here uh, before we get to our next reveal, but um, basically kind of like how we alluded in the intro um, of our podcast if, if anybody were to come to us, these letter grades that Jeff has applied, that I have applied, has to be instilled into our daily routine now, anytime that we speak of a movie. So if someone comes to me and says, hey, Jason, have you seen Glass? I say, yes. They say, what do you rate it? I say C minus because Jeff has applied that grade. And the same for Jeff. If anybody says, hey, have you seen Swiss Army Man? His face is going to light up like a Christmas tree because he's going to be so excited <laughs> to talk about it. And then movie. he's got to give it the painstaking grade of a D plus. <laughs> a D plus. So 
And so on uh, another podcast that I'm on called Budget Arcade, we vote as a group. Do we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? And if two out of three get it, hey, it's a thumbs up. We don't get that here. The movie we've been handed by the other person, we have complete control over the rating. And so I have no say. You know what you give it? A D plus? D plus. I can't do anything about that. And to me, that movie is way higher up. It's B minus A minus or B plus A minus material to me. I really like it. All right. <laughs> First episode in the books. Now, for we're going to go ahead and reveal. And, and I don't know what I'm watching next week. This is Jason actually to, this is actually what I get excited about here, man. Like this is I the actually, live reveal. I love like this podcast, man. Like not only are we reviewing movies, but we have our own little bit of a twist, like an M Not Shyamalan, where my twist is, hey, this is what you're gonna watch watch next, and oh my goodness, I hope that you like it because I want to, I want it to have a good letter grade. I hope that you like what I've chosen because it is a movie I've chosen that I think you'll like. I am not a hundred percent on because there are. It, it, it can't some parts are a mixed bag but it's largely good and uh so i've got for you a slapstick comedy all right that parodies your what's your favorite genre of movie man that's name your top three genres in no particular order because i guarantee this genre's in there oh comedy you mean action comedy action and and thriller i was gonna say rom-com yeah, yeah, definitely. You like a rom-com. I, you I, like a chick flick. You like a rom-com. And this lie. parodies the genre, right? All right. It stars Paul Rudd. Okay. Amy Poehler. All right. All right. Good cast. Good cast uh, so far. Did you ever watch the show The League? Uh, I've heard about it. I know okay. that the first the episode League. opened up with them actually doing... Um, a fine like a fantasy football draft yeah. i think so you wouldn't know jason manzoukas but he's in it and i think there's a couple other like cameos of uh what's his name from snl keenan keenan thompson keenan thompson he's in it fun cast i really like it uh you're gonna be watching they came together i think i, I see the poster in front of me right now and I've seen that poster. I've se- I've asked you to watch this movie before. Yeah, I- I've seen that poster it. and I immediately dismissed it. Just through the poster itself and the title. I'm like, eh, not for me. Yes, because it, it <laughs> oozes rom-com. And there are some cringeworthy parts, but I'm going to let you watch it. I'm not going to spoil anything else. I want to know what I'm watching next week. All right, so <clears throat> my big reveal for the movie that you will be watching, reviewing, and applying a letter grade to so uh it, it, the movie came out in 2011 um there's a bunch of actors and actresses in it and to be honest with you you know I, i've scrolled through imdb i've watched this movie maybe three times now i love okay. it okay i watched about three times i don't know who any of these actors are man i like i can spit out some names and i don't even know how to pronounce it man i don't even know who they are but they're great <laughs> all right the, okay. the movie is a horror film all right now me and you personally, we love, I love a good slasher horror movie, okay? Right. I love Scream. Uh, me and you, I think me and we, you, we love Scream Scream together. 1 is uh, one of the best horror movies I've ever watched. It's one of my favorites. 
Absolutely. Now, I'm not going to say that this movie is just as good as Scream. I'm not going to say that. But it is a great slasher movie. And I cannot wait to speak about this movie because the things that occur in that movie, just it, it resonates with my realism, if you will. Right. On okay. how I think if you are in this type of situation, how would you react? How would you get out of this situation alive and live through it? I'm wondering if I've seen this, but it's on your list. I've said I haven't seen it. It's on my list. And you said you haven't seen it. The okay. Movie is called, sounds... The movie is called You're Next. Okay. That's on Netflix. I hope so. I believe... But, maybe it's not. I'll, I'll look it up, but I'll... The thing is, I, if it's not, I'll pay the money to rent it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, know I'll tell you they sure, came this together movie, is not a This movie player. is pretty good. I mean, I'll, I'll probably buy it, and you can watch it off my account. This, yeah. uh, again, it's it's your next. Um, it came out in 2011. It's a great slasher film. It's uh, obviously, I'm not going to go into it. We'll talk about it next week. But uh, I think this movie is fantastic. What you described is right up my alley. I'm very hopeful. Are you hopeful? No. <laughs> all right so okay you, i want to you, say you, I already, warned you made you. me watch you made me watch swiss army man and just all right i, just, I thought there was a chance his, you'd like it but historically I warned you up for... so check this out historically right we have this streak going on if you will where i've suggested television shows movies and i'm just batting and i can say i have batted a thousand right now um, I, I suggested uh, the haunt, haunting of Hill House. You you love that series. Uh, I've... Well, the surprise for me, my favorite that you suggested to me was something that's really under the radar. It's a movie called Upgrade. And if you saw the most recent Venom movie, which I don't think you have, Upgrade is a better version of that Venom movie. And anyone who's listening, I would recommend it. It's very good. So yes, you've been on a streak. And it does I, not end with this. I am pretty confident you're gonna. I'm not gonna count glass, or I'm not gonna count glasses. This because I was gonna see it anyway, regardless. Mm-hmm. This one is gonna count towards your streak. I hope you like. There's uh, maybe we have to watch it together. They came together <laughs> because I need to be in the room. You know how sometimes you watch a comedy and you don't get it, but then you watch it with other people who really enjoy it, and it's much better. Absolutely, I, I don't. I I hope you like it because I, I I told you that the third week I'm picking something I know you're not going to like not to be mean but because I need I think the way you talked about Swiss Army Man was very entertaining and the third week three is going to give you even more fodder and I think you're going to be really mad at me and it's going to be great um, <laughs> and that's it that's the first episode of Film Soliloquy spoiler warning over uh, check out the movies if you have the means. I'm not sure if the one you suggest is available on Netflix or ready to stream, but if you get a chance to, to watch it, check it out. Tell us what you think. You can uh, hit us up at Twitter, at Film Soliloquy. We also have a Gmail account, filmsoliloquy at gmail.com. Music from the intro and the outro was provided to us by Sir Flame. Go ahead and support him. You can listen to him wherever you listen to music, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Google Play, it's everywhere. I've looked. Uh, you can also follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. Is there anything else I'm forgetting? You hit it right on the head, man. Oh my well, we'll god, I it. cannot believe what you're gonna make me watch. Oh god. No, it. Trust me. <laughs> I, listen, I want you to like this one. Okay, it's less bizarre than the last movie. I'm done talking about it. 
So come back in one week's time next Wednesday for more Film Soliloquy. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to buy You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough North Swag, so I made it